I always feel like Tina Turner whenever we all say rolling, because after we all three say rolling, I just want to say rolling down a river. Yeah, Tina Turner. <laughs> we gotta uh, speak of Tina Turner. Like when when we're doing Mad Max, you gotta do the oh the, my t- God. The, one, the one that has Tina Turner in it. Yeah, yep. we have fun. to do that one. Yes. <laughs> uh, but Mad Max is one of those franchises for me that um, weirdly gets better and better with yes. with each movie. And my like, I honestly like each movie more than I like the previous one. The yes. only one. Yeah. <laughs> like Road Warrior versus Beyond Thunderdome. Like, there's different things about each one that that I like, but I it, but in general, like I like Road Warrior more than Mad Max. There's those certainly elements of of Beyond Thunderdome I like more than Road Warrior. And then like Fury Road comes around, it just blows all of them out of the water. Yep. Just 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 mm-hmm. randomly, you know, thirty years later, it's like wow. <laughs> I think it was genius sci-fi though. I mean, they started out with a concept and then they just kept going at it and kept. Well, they kept, they kept really leaning into the weird. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. what, I think that's what makes that franchise work. All right, let's talk about Indiana Jones. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. I'm Sam Wilson. Joining me as always, Zach Schneider. And Liz Tory. Today we're going to be reviewing Raiders of the Lost Ark, or Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost... Really? Okay. This is one of those weird title things, where there's kind of two different titles for this movie. I guess it's really just like whether or not you include the Indiana Jones and the... But I know this originally came out as Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then was reissued on, like, video as Indiana Jones. I guess just to be, like, consistent with the, the namings of the of the other movies or whatever, but... I think Indiana Jones is just understood. It's like, you know, in grammar where you is understood when you say certain things, Indiana Jones is just understood. If you can't keep up when I say Raiders of the Lost Ark... You're too young for me. That's right. It's one of those. Th- it's not even one of those things like Star Wars, because Star Wars: New Hope was really truly just called Star Wars. But then they, add, but but they did officially yeah. add that in in uh, in later reissues. They add that to the on screen title. The on screen title for this has always just been Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Like they've they've ne- they've right. never gone back and tampered with this movie no. at all, really. So which I'm which I'm always thankful for because you know George Lucas did have something to do with this, and he does kind of he does have a habit of doing shit, you know, just not 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 letting his movie just be done, you know, like. <laughs> but his film husband is like, no, George, no, we're not doing that. And exactly. George is like, okay, Stephen. All right. well, that's, what I, that's what I like about this partnership. I think George Lucas and Steven Spielberg just like balance each other out They're so the dream well. Team. You know? They do, yeah, yeah, yeah. They no, they are the dream team. Like I, I actually, I, I know I give a lot of shit to George Lucas on this podcast, and I'm just gonna acknowledge it. I honestly really do love George Lucas. I yes. do love him as a creative mind. Yeah. I really do love him as a creative mind, and I think when he collaborates with the right people, it creates magic. Yes. And I think that that's what happened with Indiana Jones. Anything else going on in anybody's life before we want to like go into the the full full discussion? I've got diarrhea. You know, I actually had that a couple <laughs> days ago. Um, it, yeah. it it sucks. You know how you know who had diarrhea was Harrison Ford when they were supposed to shoot the sword fight scene in this yes. movie, which is why he took the gun out and just shot the guy. Because yes. he had diarrhea and was having to run to the bathroom every two seconds. As but, I was watching it, I thought about that. It's so I can hilarious. Try and dodge, and then we'll have to change the costume. Yes. There'll be some leakage, or I, I can shoot pants. the man. <laughs> 
that's such a that's such a brilliant thing because like right there we find something out about Indiana Jones, which is like, what was this guy like sitting twenty feet away from me, like twirling a sword around? I have a gun. What am I yeah. doing? Like, <laughs> he he is not so exactly uh, he is not a man of honor in yeah, any no. way imaginable. No, yeah, no. The look on his face is like, ah, oh, fuck this. <laughs> well, like, I can't really say he's like really you know a, 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 like a dastardly character either because no. like this is a guy with a sword who's like trying to kill him yeah he's right. just be, he's just being pragmatic about it it's like look no, people exactly, are trying to kill yeah. me I'm just gonna survive like I, I don't care about like he's he's not a warrior he's just trying to survive these encounters he's he's a professor who got into tomb raiding that's you know that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the deal <laughs> I think it's fair to say that Indy shot first yeah oh Indy definitely <laughs> shot first and, they, and guess what I'm saying there's no reissues of this movie they never no. went back George Lucas never came with it had had, had the guy with the, with the sword you know pull out his own gun and say McClunky before uh, you know <laughs> McClunky <laughs> Have have Indiana Jones do like a weird like head jerk to dodge the bullet. Like <laughs> I just want it to be like incredibly obvious that you know we just jumped Indiana Jones you know a foot to the left. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I never did a spoiler warning. Hey, if you haven't seen Raiders of the Lost Ark, first of all, what the fuck are you doing with your life? But we are going to talk about the whole movie. This is going to be spoilers. Like if this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. But we these are spoiler reviews. Um, obviously of, of also kind of classic movies as well as new ones. And this is, this is definitely a classic. This is 1980 something. I need to look up the actual year, but it's 82 It's 81. I was thinking either 80 or 82. And it's always, yet. it's, mm-hmm. it's always the one in the middle. I also wasn't born yet. <laughs> uh, I feel that, you know, just to show solidarity, I should mention that I wasn't born yet. <laughs> I know there's some confusion really? on that, but everybody, everybody's like, "Oh, he's the one. He has this big, deep, uh, rich voice. It's like he sounds like he's at least forty something now." <laughs> I, I might actually be the youngest one here, honestly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually I am because I know when like, we're, we're we have the same birth year, but you were born in July, so I'm I'm right, I'm like right. a couple months younger than you, actually, but. <laughs> To me, it's the duality of this character. The fact that he is this this kind of uh, devil-may-care adventurer, archaeologist, you know. Like, I say archaeologist in quotes because, like, I think real archaeologists would, would completely scoff at the things he does in this movie. But, you know, I think real archaeology is far more boring than what this guy does. But, you know, but he is he is the <laughs> Alan Quartermain uh, character type, you know. And, and you know, this guy, who, like, dares all these, these traps, goes on these adventures. There's always there's always people trying to kill him at every point. And then he's also this sexy college professor at the same time. And right. it's like, I, I just enjoy I enjoy that that <laughs> duality there. It's like, okay, now this is actually what real archaeologists do, is they usually have to teach an archaeology co- class because right. there's not not a whole lot of government funding for yep. uh, these these digs. So. Not unless they yep. think they can get something from it. Exactly. So they go on these digs, and then they go teach a class, and that's usually what they have to do. Yep. And in his particular case, he goes and raids tombs because professors don't make that much money honestly exactly <laughs> can i just say do you, do you do you need to go sit on, on the potty do you need to go sit on the potty liz 
<laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> you good? All right. I'll just make sure. I want you to ruin your, your pants if you are wearing pants. Maybe you're sitting on the toilet right now. Maybe you got one of those toilet chairs. It's yeah, like, I really want to know do. if you are. Yeah, one of those, one of those uh, lazy boys with the toilet in it. <laughs> right. Well, that's just economical. It makes sense. <laughs> It's got a beer cooler in it, too. <laughs> well, yeah. the podcast is called Nerd Shit. What do you guys expect? <laughs> we got the nerds. Now we got the shit. <laughs> I love the character of Indiana Jones. I think that he's so fun. I feel kind of guilty watching these movies, though, because they are still white people robbing artifacts from these from these other right. cultures. And we do have to we do have to, I have to acknowledge that for who I am. Uh, because I'm completely torn whenever it comes to archaeology. I am of the thought that it belongs in a museum. I really do believe that, because then it's safe, and other generations can see it. But perhaps it should be in a museum of that culture in that area. I'm just saying that if the British really want artifacts on display from another country... Maybe they should hire that country to make reproductions of the artifact for their own yes. museum and not just steal shit and then charge people to come see this shit that they stole. Yes. So now that I've gotten that out of the way, I only have one real critique because growing up, Indiana Jones kind of made me study stuff like this. And I love the mythology and the lore that goes around it. That's why I became a writer. That's why, that's one of the reasons why I became a filmmaker is because the stories are more important than the actual artifact, I think. Uh, as a, as human beings, stories are a little more important because we tell them from generation to the next and they become legend. I love how Harrison Ford plays Indiana Jones and I am so flabbergasted, so flabbergasted every time I watch this movie because this man is hot, hot, <laughs> and he's always glistening. They have like oil on him, and I just, I just drool while I watch it. I'm like, mm, that arc makes me so hungry. <laughs> you know, you know. I will say, as 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 a straight man, I gotta admit. There's something about Harrison Ford in this movie with the, like the just the particular level of stubble and yes, in, the, in the hat yeah. and everything. <laughs> yes. It's like there is something about it that like okay, like I can see if 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 you're into this, you know, yeah. there's there's something. It's like yeah. it's like as as Belloc would say, it would take only only a tiny nudge to push you into the gay. I feel <laughs> that way when I watch this movie sometimes. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> It's, you know, it's the old saying, nobody's that straight, you know? <laughs> if Harrison Ford in this movie does not tempt you, then there is something yeah. so wrong with you. <laughs> not, not something wrong. It's just if Harrison Ford does not tempt you in this film... There's a good chance that your sex is just not for you. That's that's just not your deal. Yeah. I mean, you are the most powerful lesbian I've ever met. If Harrison yep. Ford is, does not tip you. Most powerful you. lesbian, the, the most dedicated asexual in the world. Yes, just, you know, yes. That's just truly not your cup of tea, and nobody should ever try, you know, flirting with you ever again, because it's just... 
<laughs> it, ain't, it ain't gonna work. But uh, yeah, no, he's he's fascinating. I I do agree that he's not the biggest bastard in the world, but he is kind of a bastard. You know, even at the very beginning, you have uh, you know Belloc who gets the help of the native tribe who is guarding this thing. It's like okay, that's who actually should own the relic. But Belloc, you know, tricked them into helping him and. I find it incredibly hypocritical how Indiana Jones says to him, it's like, yeah, well, they don't know you like I do. It's like, yeah, okay, I know Belloc's going to steal it, but what the fuck were you doing, Indiana Jones? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Is your only complaint that, you know, it's like, well, I didn't steal it with their help. I didn't lie to them about the fact I was, you know, stealing it. (laughs) But I was stealing it. Yes, I was going to take their artifact for it. I, I gotta say, I, I have to admit the level of stupid that I am. Every time I've watched this movie until now, I've always been like, why doesn't he just wait till that big rock passes instead of acting like a dumbass running? And then I realized as he's going out, he would have been closed off from the world forever had he not waited on that boulder. Had he waited on yes, the boulder. Yes, the boulder seals up the door. It seals yeah, the door. So I, yeah. this time that I watched it, I was like... Oh, so you mean to tell me he would have been locked in there forever? Now I get it. Yeah. I'd have ran too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an I gotta idiot. say that the entire opening sequence has nothing to do with the rest of the movie, but is an absolute iconic sequence. So it is. fun. This to me is like this is like the you know the the ten minute short film that just like this is like the proof of concept it's for what Indiana Jones intro, is. Yeah. That's yeah. that's really that's really what it is to me when I when it's, I watch it. It's just there to tell you exactly what kind of film this is gonna be and yes. who Indiana Jones is as a person. He I love how completely unflappable he is in that opening sequence, you know, as spiders are crawling on his back, nothing. One of his guides, you know, betrays him, tries to shoot him. Nothing immediately just cracks him with a whip, doesn't even, you know, grimace or take a look. You know, as he's leaving a temple, yeah, you know, he's a little panicked, but he handles it. But then he gets to the plane, and Jacques has, you know, little Reggie the snake, and he's just freaking out. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> well, I admire him for not just throwing the snake out of the plane, first of all. But but I also have to imagine, it's like, how long is that flight? Like, how long did he have to sit in that in that little <laughs> that little cockpit of the plane with that snake that entire the entire flight back to where they're going? Uh, it, ju- it just just be suffering the whole time because like that's his one phobia. That's 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 Indy's one phobia is snakes. Mm-hmm. And he had to sit there. Granted, when he was when he and Alfred Molina were like covered in, in spiders at the beginning, it's like, well, they're just tarantulas. Like you look at it, it's like they're just tarantulas. They're not like, actually gonna attack you. They you yeah, know, they're, like, <laughs> they're so cute. Yeah. They, they look, you know, big, but it's like they're not they're not doing anything. They're like no. yeah. It takes a lot to get one to bite you. It, that was one of those things. Like that was the reason why, for filming, they used tarantulas because they're big but harmless spiders, yes. and so they're mm-hmm. able to cover these actors with tarantulas and with living tarantulas. It's like yeah. well, it's fine because they're tarantulas. Right. They don't do anything, you know. But yeah. when I really think about that, when I watch the movie now, it's like, yeah, this really isn't really that scary of a moment. Really, it's like yeah. they're just tarantulas, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Can we address? 
that I think Alfred Molina faked his death in this movie because that dummy at the end <laughs> on the spears looks nothing like him. Nothing <laughs> like him. <laughs> okay, well, where did he find a dummy that looks sort of kind of like him? So, like, did he just, like, bring he, this He brought it up? along secretly. <laughs> that was... <laughs> he brought a replica of the relic. He brought a dummy. It was all in that. It was all in that backpack. It was all in that backpack. Yeah, yeah. That's that's gonna yeah. be the plot of the fifth one, guys. Is Alfred yeah. Molina's gonna come Al- back? Alfred Molina's Satipo returns. He's gonna have the the real idol. He's had the real idol the whole time. You're right. He had a replica of it that he switched out. That's what Belloc ended up with was the replica. Yeah. Uh, and he, he's like, yes. You Satipo, thought I was gone, didn't you, Dr. I have returned. Jones? Yes. <laughs> and then they're going to charge each other with their walkers. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, and AD's going to be like, dude, I barely remember you. That was so long ago. Like, <laughs> like you know Honestly, how many people, you know how many people try to double cross me? Like... <laughs> Like, yeah, that was crazy, but honestly, the adventure that happened right after that was so much weirder, I totally forgot, honestly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Belak is interesting, you're right, like, it, it, in some ways he is similar to Indy, although he's a lot lazier than Indy. Like, he yeah. he, fi- he always fi- he always finds, like, the shortcut way to, to, to do everything is what I kind of noticed, but... I found it, you know, kind of fun how he's, like, one of the few rival characters who like directly says i am a shadowy reflection of you it's like oh yeah. so you you admit that you're the evil version okay you know most I, people will be like, like <laughs> it actually works surprisingly well in context and ex- execution but it's one of those things that it almost falls into that thing of like okay so you're taking the subtext of the movie you're just making it text there's no sub with this text like right but you know but it actually works it actually does weirdly it work does. with the right but it's, yeah it's a fine scene it's it's a fun yeah. scene i just do find it funny it's like oh you're just gonna spell it right out okay yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> can i say something can i say something about the character of belloc sure at one point they they point out that belloc is not a nazi he's just working with the nazis one, let me just say, if you're working with the Nazis, you're a fucking Nazi. Right. You get no, you get no pass on that. Uh, the second that I, that I would like to say is that, uh, what's his name? Peter Sellers in the Pink Panther had a better French accent than this actor's French accent was <laughs> that played Brene Belloc. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I gotta be honest. Like, there's times where he's talking. Like, I mean, I just watched the movie just now. Like, there's times where he's talking where it's like, okay, it's he's doing something that sounds like French, and then sometimes I'm like, what is, what is that supposed to be? It's like it's like yeah. generic European, but it's like, like a weird French Austrian, you know, accent that kind of like yeah veers back and forth across the Alps. You know, Steve Martin's <laughs> French accent was better. Much better than this guy's <laughs> French accent. You know what? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Patrick Stewart's French accent was better than this fr- fr- guy's French accent. <laughs> hey, Patrick Stewart. Well, you mean when he plays Jean-Luc Picard? Yes, just uses exactly. his, uses, like, Does it change his voice at all? <laughs> I just I just like to imagine that's how the French sound in like the 24th century or whatever. It's like, I went to Paris and I was like, where the fuck are all the burrs in your accent? What? What is this? 
You're not French. You're an actor. We, <laughs> oui, I am very French. <laughs> I still think the worst uh, accent is not French, but the worst accent I've ever seen in a movie or TV show is Kendra the Vampire Slayer's like Jamaican Irish thing that oh, she does. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> oh my God, that. Yes. Where are you from? <laughs> like, you know, you know how to do a Jamaican accent, three, right? Me lovely. Uh, <laughs> uh, sure. <laughs> Where I'm right? from, it's magically delicious. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, we're we're introduced uh, as as we start to go on this quest to find the Ark of the Covenant. We're introduced to Marion Ravenwood. I just gotta say straight off the bat, not, not to jump ahead to the other movies, but Marion is the only love interest in this franchise who I like. I'm just gonna say that straight up. She's the only one who's good, and yep. I think that there's a reason why she's the one they brought back for the fourth movie. It's like. She's the only decent one. I actually really like her. I think she's a mm-hmm. great character. I hope she returns for the new one. That would be nice. Same. To have consistency. I think that they, she should at least have a cameo, if nothing yeah. else. She should at least have a cameo. To be honest, I know it's not going to happen, but I'm secretly hoping for a Shia LaBeouf cameo. I, I hope actually, not. I hope not. Oh, uh, that's fair. I hope they recast him. <laughs> just recast him don't say anything give him the same character name and have Indy say my son yes (laughs) just be done with it it's me just do it (laughs) (laughs) but uh, Marion Ravenwood I fucking love this character I think that she is the most feminist character of all the love interests in the indie series because she mm-hmm. fights. And there's a couple of times where he's trying to throw her out of the way, where he's trying to tell her to get back. You be a woman. I got to save you. But she's there to kick ass. And it's just like when he tied her back up, she was like, I'll show you. And she gets out on her own. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, they do catch her. But I love, I love the, the Marion character. I think that she's the better of the women that they do. The, the mm-hmm. woman in the, the woman with the brain, uh, monkey brains, what was her name? Uh, anyway, uh, she was uh, funny. Kate, I, I'll remember the, the character name is Kate Capshaw. As she yeah. was yeah, yeah, Spielberg's in wife. Temple yeah. of Doom. Yeah. yeah. She was God, funny. She was terrible. But, yeah. The the writing or whatever they did with it, where she mm-hmm. just screamed every time something came on, it it yep. created it went along with that trope that we've seen so much from the seventies and eighties and nineties in horror films, where the women just screamed every time something happened. But that wasn't Marion. Marion was an ass kicker, and I like that. I noticed on this play. On this watch through that, yeah, she did scream quite a bit as she screamed and then she punched people in the yes, face. Yes. Like she'd get trapped in the cockpit and then she'd use a machine gun to destroy an entire truck yes. full of Nazis. Yes. And that's kind of, or, you know, her bar would burn down and she'd scream because she's about to get stabbed with a poker. I mean, okay, yeah, that yeah, makes that a makes lot sense. of sense. But then she'd shoot a motherfucker. That's yes. the entire thing is that. She did kind of end up in a lot of the same damsel in distress situations, except she would also kick people's asses while in that situation. She didn't need Indy to come save her just because she was helpless. She needed Indy to come save her because this was a two-person job, and they both end up tied to a lamp at the end of the movie anyways. So They needed each other. I I like that. It was a partnership. I think it's good storytelling. 
Yeah, Karen Allen's great. She kicks ass. She has great chemistry with Harrison Ford. Yeah, it's 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 a great character. It really is. Um, definitely definitely one of the better kind of love interest characters in a movie. And 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 even the the love interest part of it, I think, is is fairly organic in in the movie yeah. as well. It doesn't it doesn't feel mm-hmm. particularly forced. You know, I'm glad it's her that they have a kid. To I'm glad that they have a kid together. You just wish it wasn't Shia LaBeouf. Uh, you know, I I honestly don't have a, a problem with Shia LaBeouf. I just think he's Shia LaBeouf. I, I, he's he's an asshole. He is an, he asshole, is an in, asshole in real life. He um, is. I honestly like him as an actor. I honestly yeah, do. I think he's too. a good actor. But but I know he comes with a lot of bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that's the reason why I would understand. You know, aside from I know that the, the character wasn't as popular with 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 fans. Like yeah. I, I liked him, but I'm in minority. But I but I, I can understand just because of the problematic things about him yes. as a person. I can understand not bringing him back for that reason for sure. Yeah. Gimli! Oh, sorry. Soa is also in this movie. <laughs> As we were watching it, I was like, yeah, that's John Ray's Davy. That's that's Gimli. <laughs> and my wife was like, no, it's not. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he used to so be young and pretty. <laughs> His high cheekbones, he's really pretty. He is a really pretty oh, man. Yeah. Uh, basically, the introduction of John Ray's Davies, you know, instantly makes a movie better. And this movie was already pretty fantastic to begin with. Yeah. But then you have, you know, John Ray's Davies, you know, strolling in, shouting Indy! <laughs> yeah. My know, it's, favorite it's thing about Sala is his weird habit of just bursting into song randomly. Right. Like, when, whenever he feels too strong about something, he's like, I'm the monarch of the sea. You know, I can just like, yes. <laughs> that's what I love about him. It's like, he's he's such a ride or die companion, and that, that's why like, I'm, I'm glad he's he's the one like kind of random companion that they keep bringing back, which, which I love, so. I love that at that moment where he sings that song and everything, I love that Indy's like, Marion is dead, and he's like, I know. <laughs> and then he, and then his advice is, you just gotta get over it, shit happens. And then he starts singing. <laughs> yeah. Fuck! I, I love the entire situation, it's like, okay, so Sala found out Indy was in danger, and his idea is, I'm gonna send all my kids to go save Indy. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like 30 or 40 children, it's like, I, I think these are, some of these might not be mine, I'm not sure, whatever. It's like, <laughs> I've got a lot, I can lose some of them. <laughs> some of you may die, but honestly. They all came out, they all came out all whole, and he was like, fuck, I thought I'd lose at least one or two. They're expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but no he's, he's he really is. Fun. He's just a great, just ride or die companion of this movie. You know, I I deeply love that moment when they first find the well of souls, and he's like, "Ah, asps, very dangerous. You go first." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I love that. It's like he, he sees how, you know, like he knows how afraid of snakes Indy is. And Indy thinks like, okay, I'm afraid of snakes. I know this is probably an irrational phobia. And then he finds out from Sola, wait, no, your phobia should be very rational in this case. It's like, that doesn't oh, no, make these, me feel these, any better. These are definitely going to kill you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. They have that one cobra and the rest of them are constrictors. Yeah. yeah. But but once again, most people don't know the difference. Mm-hmm. So it's scary. <laughs> yeah. Just like with the tarantulas. Smart. 
Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, the the only danger these actors are really in is that, you know, they're going to get hugged by a bunch of <laughs> exactly. you know, snakes looking to get warm. That's that is the sole danger that's going to happen here. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently in the paperwork, they went back and put Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. But the poster and nothing was ever updated in the movie because, you know, mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg is like, no, no, no. And George is like, George, <laughs> I know you're fine doing that with your own projects. And, you know, I love and respect you, but don't <laughs> touch this shit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, did, I think there were a couple of things that they just kind of tightened up in, in terms of just like tiny visual things. But yeah. Like, there's, I think the the only thing. So there, I know there's one thing off the top of my head that they actually did do, but this this is like a good change where it where the, the one cobra that like flares up at Indy. Yeah. In the original movie, you can actually see the the uh, faintly see the reflection of the cobra, where you can see there's actually a pane of glass in between uh, Indy and mm. the cobra, and they painted that out in one yeah. of the late, later re releases, which. Stuff like that. That's that's a completely that's, good change. Yeah, that's, that's, that's completely fine. good change. Yeah. yeah, that's just you know tightening the effect. You yeah. expect them to do that when they remaster it because they have to actually remaster it. You know exactly. Right. Yeah. And the remasters really look phenomenal. You know, like yeah. the, the updates. Like, is all they do is just very tiny cosmetic stuff like that. And then just, you know, just remastering the picture, remastering the sound, you know, bringing up the colors and, you know, the, the resolution, everything like this movie really ages really well, actually. Like the cinematography yeah. is the cinematography is gorgeous. These those jungle scenes, the desert scenes, the lighting, like all of it just looks really phenomenal. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely no argument here. This George Lucas, I've mentioned before, like for all that we give George Lucas flack. I do genuinely think he is one of the best technical directors in Hollywood. And again, you 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 combine him with with Spielberg, and it's, that's just the dream team. It's the absolute yes, exactly. dream team. It you know? is the dream team. If I see that they're both doing something, I will watch that shit just because. Exactly. I think it was really smart to have Nazis as the villains in this movie right. because. Yes. You do not give a shit what happens to them. We don't all. give a shit what happens to them. If anything, we're we, we're you know we're gleeful. You know when 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 the when the Hebrew God just melts their fucking faces off at yes. the end. It's like it's <laughs> one like, of those yes. things. It's like yeah, you know maybe Inti and Marion would would have died if they had looked at it. But you, you gotta you gotta wonder at the same time like if this if this really is you know God God you know God with the capital G. It's like how how would he. How would a Hebrew god feel about a bunch of Nazis? Think about you know, that. Yeah. You know? I, <laughs> I don't know whether or not Indy and Marion were in actual danger, but I do know, like, it is made pretty clear early on when the Ark is on Katanga's, on Captain Katanga's ship, and just by itself, it burns off the swastika and the eagle on the box, just for no other reason than it's like, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> yes that is that is a sign that if nothing else is uh when that arc was open it's like yeah no the nazis are gonna fucking get it <laughs> yes <laughs> and it's more like they're gonna get it <laughs> it's one of those things where you really wish that they had just brought the arc straight to hitler and had him open yes. it up <laughs> <laughs> 
Sadly, they did not bring it to Adolf. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Here you go, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's probably my biggest critique about the film is that they decided to make the arc Pandora's box. Because that's basically what it is when they open it up is Pandora's box and then it and then they neatly close themselves back off after they melt everybody <laughs> and no one's looking. <laughs> okay, those two over there, they're mm-hmm. not looking. We're good. Their eyes are closed. Let's go. <laughs> I kind of like the, the specific nature of the arc, like what it was originally for, whether or not it would have unleashed that destruction on anyone who opens it or whether or not this was a specific divine retribution. Like yeah. the exact nature of it is never 100% spelled out. I, there's a lot of theories out uh, by archaeologists and other people that the that the Ark actually contained nuclear or radioactive material. And that's the reason why the people that would carry it, uh, their skin would sag, they'd get sick and they'd die, and death followed the Ark. I kind of like that idea. And my critique about the Pandora's box, you know, it's it's just a critique. I still enjoy it. I enjoy watching Nazis' faces melt. The practicals in this are still really cool. Mm. I mean, the way they melted away, really well done. There's something about the fact that they did use stop motion. It does have a waxy quality to it, but there's something about that that actually makes the effect all the more unnerving when you watch it. I agree. I'm not sure if it would have the same effect if they did it with CGI today. I honestly don't. I don't know. That otherworldly feel to it is just yeah. unnerving. Yeah. That's that's kind of the thing about stop motion I love. It's like, yeah, stop motion does feel weird and unnerving at times, and sometimes that's the effect you want. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love the one Nazi who I always call him Slugworth because he looks like Slugworth from Willy Wonka to me, like the guy the guy with the glasses. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. Like- uh, Major Major Arnold Tot. I just love when that guy comes into the uh, the, the tent with with Marion. And, and Belloc, and he takes out what looks like these, like, nunchucks that he's about to, like, just, like, I'm just gonna whack you with these. And then he twists them around and tri- find out it's, like, a coat hanger he's been keeping on him. It's, like, that's, like, that is, like, consistently always, like, there, there's actually a, a, a good number of comic relief moments in this movie. That's always, like, one of the my favorite jokes in the movie, just because, like, it's, like, you think he's about to torture It's, like, why well, has he got a torturer with nunchucks? Like, what? <laughs> 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 and, it, and it turns out to just be a coat hanger. It just it just yeah. always gives me a laugh. It's like this is no less weird than the nunchucks, but it is considerably less threatening. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I have a question uh, involving um, Denholm Elliott, who played Marcus Brody. The Marcus in this movie is very different from the Marcus in uh, the Last Crusaders. He's not as silly. I wonder if the actor had more control in The Last Crusaders than he had in this one. Because he's very serious in this one. And I know he's supposed to be older and a little, you know, aloof. <laughs> yeah. But I I prefer him in um, The Last Crusaders as opposed to I, this one. I think it feels consistent to me personally. But I, yeah. it's one of those things where I get where you're coming from with that. I. He didn't have as much screen time in this one too. Yeah. So like, like I feel like I think it was one of those things where maybe it was it was the actor control thing, or maybe it was just one of those things where the writers just came in. And it's like okay, like 
we didn't really fully flesh out this character in the first one. Let's just give him a little more dimension, yeah. make him a little funny, you know? Yeah, that's yeah, my that's, question. That's pretty yeah. much where my thought is. Like, this this is a character who's, you know, he's Indy's friend, and, you know, he's uh, still fun on screen, but he does only show up in two fairly short scenes. Yes. Yeah, it, it makes sense that he didn't really have the same dimension, and then later on they decide, it's like, and, yeah, he gets lost in his own museum, and he's, you know, a fun, <laughs> yes. you know, fun, uh, kind of bumbling character. But here, he's in his element. We really only get two, pretty much two conversations with him. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. It, it upsets me a little bit, because he's so much in the back. And I, it, it just occurred to me how much I love the character in The Last Crusaders, because oh, yeah. Indy has that whole monologue about how he can, how he can disappear <laughs> and... <laughs> And reemerge and, and he's disappear just being in an the idiot. Yeah. <laughs> no, that that's that's always that's always still one of my favorite moments in that movie. You know, it's like he comes back, Shankar's like, is all that true? And he's like, What well, he once got lost in his own museum. You know? <laughs> <laughs> None of that is true. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Great action in this movie. Like, like all the all the action set pieces work really well. Like the burning bar, like Marion's burning bar. Like, one of the things I love about Marion is I love how much of a booze town she is and how well she can hold right. her liquor. Yes. Like, one one tactic she uses a lot. We see her use it when they're playing the drinking game, and then again she does it with Belloc. Is her ability to hold her liquor better than anybody else, but she's good at playing up and making people think she's drunker than she actually is. And I right. think that's something that, that she, she, she always does really well. It's like, she, she does it in the drinking game. It's like, you, you can tell she, she was not actually close to losing that, but she was playing it up. No. And then of course playing, like she's, she was a little drunk with Belloc, but she played it up way right. more, you know, as, as a way of like, cause, cause she could really see that Belloc actually cannot hold his liquor yes. <laughs> immediately, yeah. you know? I think they do a good job of having him last longer than they originally thought. It's like, oh, it's his family vintage, right? But she still, she still beats him with yes. that. You know, she's yes. able to grab a knife and run off. I love that that's her introduction. I love her introduction is not only that she's drinking a man under the table, but she's drinking this big, beefy man under the table. And he just right. falls out. <laughs> I, don't yes. know, I don't know if he died from alcohol poisoning or he just passed out. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah. he, if he died from alcohol poisoning, you know, he, he's the one who got into a drinking contest. It's so. his fault. <laughs> right. I also Choices. find it immediately funny how Indy in the bar, you know, for the bronze piece promises her $5,000. <laughs> and after her bar burns down, she never once gets mad at him or discusses the fact that she just lost the bar. She just wants that $5,000. Yeah. It's like, wow, that bar must be worth nothing. Yeah. God damn. She, <laughs> <laughs> she was not kidding when she called it like a, I forget, it was like a hole or some yeah. you know, lousy No, she's like, actually like, happy when the bar burns down because she knows she's got to collect, collect the insurance money on that. So it's like, okay, that's fine. So in addition to the insurance money, I also want that $5,000. So everything's coming up Marion all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> Any, any thoughts on like the, the kind of applied uh, backstory with with Marion and Indy? Like, if there's there's things about it that could be kind of skeevy if you read into it too deeply. But you know what? I think it is skeevy. But you know what makes it work is that both Marion and Indy 
recognize and state on screen, yeah, that was bad. Yeah. And then they work through it. That's what makes it That's work. That's what it's makes like, it, yes. Yeah, okay, we can accept that Indy 10 years ago was a much worse person than he is right now. Yes. Yeah. No, for sure. And and they're also vague enough about it that I I, I like I like yeah. that it's, it's a little bit ambiguous what exactly happened here. And even the the like I was a child, like how literal is the I was a child thing or was it right? Because like even to, like I, I looked up Karen Allen as an actress. It is possible that Marion is, is supposed to be younger, but like. But Karen Allen was was 30 when this movie came out. So 10 years ago, she right. would have been 20. Yes. It's like, OK, you know, whatever. Like, I didn't feel like it was odd. I didn't feel like it was skewy just because both of them were in on it. Same thing, Sam. I, I felt the same thing. Uh, yeah, right. I didn't think I didn't think she was as young as as they were trying to elude. And I figured she was probably mm-hmm. in her 20s. But yeah, I was thinking it's like late teens at most. Yeah. You know. At, as a kid, I didn't I didn't mm-hmm. realize oh, any of that. Oh, this is one of those things that when you watch this movie as, as a kid, older, I think I yeah. think I think it goes over your head. There's there's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that that passed. you pick up on when you when you are older. It's like you know, like I got when I was a kid that she just was that she just was mad at him for something, but like yes. I I, mm-hmm. I didn't really. But most of it kind of went over my head, type of thing. Even this time, I felt like they were probably doing some shit in college. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you see, he doesn't seem that, like, he seems, like, maybe older than her, but he doesn't seem that much older no. than her, really. Right. Like, that's the like, thing about it, too. It's yeah, like, it seems like a few years at most. Yeah. Yeah. Which, again, he does seem to show, you know, genuine, like, he's like he, he never tries to, like, self-justify. He's like, yeah, I, I said I was sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, like, because, yeah. <laughs> like, I, it, no, he would come across a lot worse. He was like, yeah, that's, that's your problem Who for feeling that about way. That? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sucks to be no, you, he, kid. He does, <laughs> he does genuinely seem to recognize that at some point in the past, he, you know, he crossed the line. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Another action sequence I really like. It's got, I, I know we're kind of jumping all over the place, but that's just kind of nature of discussion. But, you know, but like after after the Nazis got the arc for the first time, like, first of all, like, I, I always think it's a little silly and a little convenient that the back door out of the uh, the arc room just happens to, like, dump them right where the Nazis are loading the plane up. It's like, oh, that was convenient. Right. You know, like... Because, <laughs> like, okay, if the Nazis had just moved that one boulder, they actually would have found a much easier way to get to the arc room, too. But, all right, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Yeah, it's not always the way it's like, oh, wow, that, uh... You know, the back route is always, you know, much more convenient if we knew about it at the time. Yeah. (laughs) I also, I just do want to take a moment right before we get into that action sequence to say I really love just the mental image. When you have the snakes crawling out through the sockets in the wall, I just love the mental image of people behind the scenes, like, just shoving snakes through the wall. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that's (laughs) exactly what happened. Yes, I'm sure that's exactly what happened. It's like, go snake. Get in there. Get in there. And the snakes are like, where the fuck are we going? What the fuck is this? I better get a rat after this. (laughs) Yeah, I hope those snakes, uh, the movie snakes got well compensated. Uh, (laughs) Yes, no no snakes were harmed in the production of this movie. Many rats were, but that's only the snakes. Um, no, that that whole sequence is fun. Like, first, you know, crashing the statue through the wall is a, you know, really cool set piece. And then the entire bomber fight is just... A, I love how there's just a random 
Nazi boxer on base. It's like, what the <laughs> shit is this guy? He doesn't like go and grab a gun or anything. He's just like, oh yeah, I get to punch people in the face now. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like you always get the sense that that guy is some kind of like result of like attempted Nazi like genetic breeding. We have to find like the strongest strong man like type of thing. It's like we are uh, going to breed the Superman. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he's just, he's probably this weird inbred, just like really dumb, just big. Like <laughs> to be to be honest, I think it was a, I think it was a really good protest from from Steven Spielberg in the in the. Uh, script that flies over most people's heads because it does give you a rudimentary a rudimentary way of the way that they looked at women in nazi germany but we don't think about that we just think this guy is nasty and he needs to die (laughs) yeah you can say you you can honestly tell that this movie was directed by a a jew by the fact that nazis are (laughs) just get brutally murdered uh As they should be. <laughs> yes, as they should right. be, exactly. <laughs> I was doing a stand-up show, and one of the guys, his great-grandfather was the Asperger's Nazi doctor that named the, the thing, and he went through it, and he said, I don't know whether he's a good Nazi or a bad Nazi. And I usually don't refer back to any any other comedians, just because I think that's kind of, you know, in bad mm-hmm. taste. But I couldn't help myself. I came out right after him, and I was like, the only good Nazi is a dead Nazi. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and I kind of split the room in my first joke, because some people were like, hey, and other people were like, <laughs> All I know is that they are a perfect people, they're a perfect uh, antagonist to pick yes. if you want to shove a man through the propeller of a plane and have everyone go, yeah. Yes! Yes! <laughs> that is such a great shot, too. You know, yeah. you don't it's see fantastic. any gore or anything. You just see it coming at him, and then he turns around, and then there's blood. So yep. well done. When I watched this movie as a little kid, like, I'm talking, like, you know, five, six years old. I saw this movie really young. When I saw this movie as a little kid, I used to always close my eyes during that part because I didn't uh-huh. have, like, a concept of, like, MPAA yep. ratings, so I I assumed that they just showed everything. And I was yeah. like, oh, I got to close my eyes. Yeah. And I watched. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, wait, no, they don't actually show anything. It's just a little, you know. <laughs> but it's right. scary because it makes your imagination run. It's it's a exactly. fucking genius. Right. Like I always I always imagined that they actually show something like yes. really awful, gruesome type of thing. Yeah. Now I did always close my eyes also during the Nazi face melting part. That actually was pretty gruesome. I will say <laughs> right. that, that was actually exactly as gruesome as you imagined. But. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now they have PG-13, and for heads exploding, they're like, we're going to have to put a PG-13 on that. But if two men kiss, that's rated R automatically. That's right. right. <laughs> <laughs> now remember, gruesome dismemberment, that's A-OK for, you know, kids. They can deal with that, and they're going to see it in school anyways. <laughs> uh, sex, which... You know, realistically, most people on the planet are going to do one day. It is completely normal. Nope, that's an R rating. <laughs> and, of course, uh, gay people kissing is the exact same as sex. So. <laughs> exactly. But I do love this truck chase sequence where he's he's chasing after the truck with the horse. Yes. Um, some really amazing and, like extremely dangerous stunt work also that goes on during this scene where it's like right. the, the part where Indy's like crawling underneath the truck and then gets dragged behind it. Like the way they did it was by taking Harrison Ford's stunt double and they basically just like, go do that. 
He just, he just did it. Like, that's literally, he sh- he's just right. crawling on the other side of a truck, like, all right, of a moving vehicle. It's like, yep, yeah, he just did it. The the old secret to how you get realistic-looking stunt work. Exactly. It's like, I, I don't think that would really fly today with regulations, no, but... Not, not at all, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to say that uh, the, the guy's... What's his name? The one that has his face melted off? Uh, Tote. Ooh, Slugworth? Yeah, Slugworth, yeah, yes. Yeah. Slugworth, <laughs> yeah, yeah, him. He reminds me so much of Toby Jones. Yeah. Right? I was, the makeup that, and everything. Every time I watched this, like, as I started this up, when he first appeared on screen, I'm like, this is the exact character they have Toby Jones play. Oh, completely. And, and so, <laughs> yeah. It reminds me so much of that character. It's just the glasses and everything. It's just, oh, oh, oh. And, it really hit me this time. I think because we just mm-hmm. rev- we haven't been too long reviewed it, but I was like, "Oh, okay." Uh-huh. I was like, "So, what shall we talk about? The everlasting gobstopper. <laughs> you bring it to me, Fräulein." Fräulein. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Am I the only one? I always just think of Slugworth with that guy. No, I don't know. It like, makes sense. I think I think of Slugworth and also Doctor Strangelove because yeah. you feel like at any random time his arms just gonna like shoot up in a Nazi salute. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, lo- I love how just. Oh, slimy and creepy that guy is. He's a great Nazi. Like, he's a great yes. Nazi villain. Like, whoever that, that actor is. Uh, but, yeah, also, I don't know if that actor is, is actually German, but he, he had a good... If he's not German, he actually had a good accent, unlike, you know, He Belloc, did have but, a good yeah. accent. He was Ronald Lacey. He died in 1991, the same year that uh, Jim Henson died. He was English. He was, he English, was born okay. in London. I really? was wondering, because like, I know that in movies, they tend to cast English actors as, as Germans a lot for yeah. some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noticed it's like, I guess, you know, they're they're, they're closer to that country. They, they probably hear that accent more often type thing. And yes, I know that they're I know that they, they, they did a lot of the Lucasfilm productions. They they also shot a lot in, in, in England. So they used a lot of British actors. That's why that's why there's so many Brits in Star Wars also. But. Although a lot, a lot of uh, shared actors between th- these movies and Star Wars too. Like I know the one, uh, you know, the top men. That guy, that guy is 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 Porkins, Por- our our favorite oh, Porkins. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's there's a couple others like yeah. You know, like I I know uh, I know the, the the main villain from the third from Last Crusade. I think is is was it was it one of the Imperials? I think maybe General General Veers or somebody uh-huh. from Empire Strikes Back. I think so. Yeah. Veers. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of shared actors, you know, and of course, obviously Harrison Ford. And they even shot all the Egypt scenes they shot in Tunisia, which is where they shot all the Tatooine scenes from from Star Wars too. Yeah. So it, it, it's just like you know, like they had already made Star Wars. They probably already had you know kind of relationships with the Tunisian government. It's yes. like it's another North African country again, in the same part of easy. the same desert. You know, it, it like Tunisia can easily pass through Egypt type of thing. Right. Yep. But yeah, just really, really fun. Uh, you know, this whole submarine thing, I gotta say, they do kind of gloss over how exactly it de-stowed away aboard that sub. 
Right? I gotta be honest. <laughs> what door did he go in? There's only one way in and out. Like, exactly. <laughs> what door did he go in? How did he not get caught? Have you ever been inside of a submarine? Like, I've been inside <laughs> right. of a... Uh, I've been inside of, like, a, like they have, like, museums where they have, like, actual, like, submarines. Yes. Like, uh, if you go to, like, Hawaii, there's, like, a submarine that you can actually go to that's a World War II-era submarine. They are so tiny and yes. so cramped. There is nowhere mm-hmm. to hide on that thing. There is like, nowhere to hide on The like, of hiding on a submarine are slightly worse than if you were standing in the middle of a field next to a giant sign pointing straight at you saying, here's the guy. It's the worst hiding spot ever. But it's like, well, okay, I guess we just kind of accept that he stowed away... On top of a submarine? Maybe? Yeah, the submarine surfaces <laughs> in, in the, uh, the, the you know, the dock. And Andy's still, like, holding on top. And then you see him go, He's <gasps> 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 <laughs> <laughs> holding his breath the whole time. <laughs> so, apparently, there was a deleted scene. There was a deleted mm-hmm. scene that explained what he did to get into the sub and to get out. Yes, right. Ed, we're waiting. <laughs> I, I can't find the clip. I just yeah. found a couple of articles on it. it. There's an episode of Big Bang Theory where they go to a screening of this movie, and in, like within the universe of the show, they're like, "Oh, there's an extra, there's an extra, like never before seen, like two minutes added to this movie." And like Leonard is like, "Oh, I wonder if it fight they finally explained the submarine controversy, <laughs> you know, with, with no other, with no other like acknowledgement or you know explaining yes. to the audience." But it's one of those things, like to those of us that know this movie it's like yeah i know exactly what you're talking about leonard i'm starting to think this scene doesn't really exist and you're just telling us it does to so that to make yourselves look better <laughs> you no no just trust us we, we we totally thought it through yeah. you know, <laughs> care to elaborate uh, uh no no the 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 scene the scene explains itself can we see it uh no <laughs> <laughs> what do you guys think about the kind of time honored thing of like, does Indiana Jones actually like make a difference to the plot? Cause I know that the, the argument that a lot of people make is that he actually doesn't really accomplish anything since the, since God apparently just kills the Nazis and would have done so regardless. But it's, it's kind of telling in right in the climax when he's threatening to blow up the arc, he just wants Marion and that's where he makes a difference. If he did nothing, if he never gotten involved Marion Ravenwood would have died. Yeah, and Sala would probably have been forced to, you know, help get the Ark for the Nazis anyways and just would have had a terrible time yeah. in Egypt. But more importantly, Marion Ravenwood would have died in her bar. And that would have been the end of her story. So that is the entire purpose that he serves is that he saves Marion. And honestly, that's all that he needs to do. In my opinion, it's... He does go on this, you know, epic quest, but it's kind of as Belloc says, the Ark is history. We're just passing through it, and that's Indiana Jones's role, to pass through and, in his very human way, to save just one person. And, frankly, I feel that's all he really needed to do. That's, that's, that's my take on it. He doesn't actually make a difference as far as the Ark is concerned, but he gets to witness it. He gets involved in a roller cleaning adventure, and Marion Ravenwood is alive. There's a deeper subplot um, that this movie creates that they never really go back to until the Crystal Skulls. And that's that big, huge place where they keep all these different artifacts. I know that it feels like he didn't accomplish anything, 
But in his mind, he's saving these artifacts. In his mind, he's saving the artifacts. And he saves people. So, I don't know. I, I think without him, I think Zack is absolutely correct on saving the people. But we wouldn't have the Ark in this safe place where all these art- other artifacts are saved. I would, I would honestly yeah. like to see some, some more of this subplot come to light in the new movie or, or something. Um, because I think there's a fascination there with all these different artifacts. That should and probably has been in some form or another a series like, and the artifact warehouse where yes. it from Indiana Jones. Let's see some other stuff in there. Can I direct you to the television program Warehouse 13? Yes, because that's, what that's it was, actually what you 13. just described. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I suspected that was an idea that had to, had to have like happened at some point. It's like, all right, fantastic. Yeah, I'm Warehouse 13 that. was yes. amazing. That was a great show. It yeah, was. that was a great show. All right. Saul Rubinick. Yeah, it's, right, it's, uh, it, it was it on out. sci-fi a few years ago, and it's in the same universe as the show Eureka. There were several crossovers between yeah. that show and Eureka. Those 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 are both really I good like shows, Eureka. actually. Eddie McClintock, is is that the Yes. Yeah, I met him at Dragon Con one year. He's a nice guy. You yeah. lucky fucker. <laughs> I was very awkward. I was very awkward with him. I was like, "Hi, hello." <laughs> I've met Saul, but I would love to meet Eddie. Oh, actually, he's my favorite. Uh, oh, what was his name? Um, uh, Saul, uh, Saul, Saul Rubinek. Is that his name? Yeah, he's he's fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. he's he, that's that guy's been in so many different things, but. I feel like that that warehouse that you see, that's what people imagine when yes. they go to Walmart and Walmart's out of something and they're like, can you check the back for it? That's what people think is in the back of Walmart. Right. They like walk it's through a like... portal and it's this huge warehouse with everything. Honestly, it's right next it would to be the great arc. if we found out in Dial of Destiny if it just like slowly... If we see the same shot, you know, of going down the rows, but then it goes even further back and it's revealed that this is just a normal Ikea. (laughs) That was how Ikea was born, was from this, yes. (laughs) I I think it's a fascinating shot, and I think there's a lot more to the story in that one fucking shot, and I don't know why we haven't revisited But no, I think you guys are right. I think that the difference he made was saving Marion, and he also did his job as an archaeologist. He collected and uh, like I know that you know the Ark didn't end up kind of where he wanted it to end up but he did collect the Ark as as he did his job right. that he was he was contracted to do so let's be honest the Ark shouldn't have ended up anywhere else if it was that dangerous yeah that's fair that's that's kind of the thing is you know he thinks they're a bunch of fools and I'm like there's actually a sort of wisdom in realizing this is not meant for human hands, yeah. and nobody should ever touch this away. thing ever again. Put Pandora's box yeah. away. All right, well, I think we're ready to uh, review this and give it our score of 1 out of 10. Liz, I'll let you start this week. I love this movie. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the the eye patch guy, I don't think we touched on him. The eye patch guy was interesting. I don't know if he was needed. I always forget about him. Not- I always forget about he's, him. He's just... I, I put him down in the notes as Eyepatch Monkey Man, a.k.a. the most obvious henchman <laughs> never caught. Yes. Because 
one look at him and is like, that you know, is a, a dastardly dude <laughs> <Yeah>. who is <laughs> definitely going to do evil, but nobody ever recognizes this somehow. I, I'm always <laughs> sad at the scene where the monkey dies. That monkey plays dead so well, but I'm always sad. Yeah. Uh, but I do like, I do like him catching that, that date in midair, uh, God. and stopping him. And he talks about the bad dates. I've been on some bad dates too, John. I've been on some bad dates yeah. too. <laughs> there was a, uh, there, there was, there was a show I used to, to watch and listen to called Collider Live. It was, it was, it was just kind of a shit talking podcast, but there was one time where the, the topic of the podcast was like really bad dates that people had been on, but they kept using the audio clip of, of Solace like bad dates the Dude. whole time, which is just the perfect, that was like the perfect sound bite to use for that segment. Like yes. just bad dates. As a child, this one really fascinated me. On, uh, religious relics, witch and wizard relics. It, it really sent me on a search for mythology and magical tools, as I call them. That's what I consider the arc. And it spurred my fascination into the occult. Um, I've been lucky enough to be an advisor on a few different projects. Uh, for the occult. And I, I absolutely love that side of humanity. So I think this is a really good telling of that, that occult side. You know, we have these relics that could be, may not be powerful. And then in this movie, they embrace it. And all of the Indiana Jones movies, even when I have a critique against them, they embrace the weird, they embrace the myth. And that's what brings me back every time. I can sit down and I can watch these over and over again because they're a lot of fun. Plus, you know, the man meat in these movies, the man meat in these movies make a nice sandwich. The only complaint that I have is, is why did it have to be Pandora's box and why couldn't they have connected it with Pandora's box? But some things you just don't, you know, you just don't say maybe the arc was around a lot longer than they think in this movie. But it's enjoyable. I enjoy it. I give it a 9 out of 10 only just because, you know, there are some things that I think they could have done differently. But that's just in my personal taste. I love the movie. Yeah, you know, it's a great movie. It's an all-time classic in the adventure genre. Like, it's funny because this movie has been... It, it, it is itself definitely derivative of earlier works uh, in, in, in a loving way, as a loving homage. You know, it's definitely derivative of things like... Again, there, there would be no Indiana Jones if it weren't for Alan Quartermain. Yeah. But... This movie, in turn, ended up becoming the blueprint for so many adventure stories beyond it, you know? Like, I firmly believe without Indiana Jones, we wouldn't have Lara Croft. We wouldn't have Nathan Drake. We yes. wouldn't have uh, the the Brendan Fraser mummy movies. All, all of those, I think that this movie was the blueprint. And it completely revitalized the, the kind of adventure genre uh for and brought it up to you know the the, the late 20th century and th into the 21st century even so i i think harrison ford was absolutely the the only person who could have played this character yeah. i think he's so perfect in this role and i think that this is one of those all-time classics that that absolutely stands the test of time so i will give it a 10 out of 10 i really don't have much to say that hasn't been said this is the pulp adventure movie uh, that everyone, you know, completely revitalized the genre. Um, everyone since then has compared their own pulp adventure movie to this one and 
you kind of have to because it just left such a major impact. It's a fun movie. It really holds up. Again, you're absolutely right that Harrison Ford is the actor who you would have at the time. It's like, we need a man who is both able to sell you that he is a thoughtful professor of archaeology and also a man who's going to swing from trees on a bullwhip at the same yeah. time. He he will do both things believably. Yeah, it's a fantastic film, and I don't have the same... I agree that the arc is kind of Pandora's box, but you know what? I really like that. I, yeah. I like that aspect. So, yeah, I have to say this is a 10 out of 10 for me as well. All right, well, having said all that, Zach, where can the folks find you? Folks can find me on the Facebook as Zachariah Schneider. They can also find me on the Instagram as Zachariah Schneff4, and at my personal website, Zachariah-Schneider-Personal.HerokuApp.com Liz, where can the folks find you? Uh, you can find me under the Liz Tory on all social media, L-Y-Z-T-O-R-Y, because I'm not a basic bitch. Really, I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can also uh, find, uh, if you go to Eventbrite, under the Pack Theater or Non-Binary Preacher's Kid Presents... You can find my shows coming up, uh, which I, ha I, uh, the next show I have is Dat Fan, and then after that I have Tig Nataro. So come see us live. I'm Sam Wilson. You can follow me on Instagram at scwilson underscore actor. You can follow my band, Gas Station Boner Pills, at The Band of Boners on Instagram. We have a bunch of tour dates coming up in May, so definitely, uh, check that out to see if we're going to be coming to your city. Because we're, 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 the boners are spreading. They're getting around. Yeah. And of course, you can follow Nerd Shit at the Nerd Shit Pod on all social medias Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, all at the Nerd Shit Pod. We release episodes every single week. Up next, we're going to be reviewing X Men The Last Stand, stepping back into the X Men universe. So make sure that you've subscribed to us anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Leave us a review, leave us a star rating, and make sure that you never miss a single episode. We are going to be reviewing the other Indiana Jones movies in the lead-up to The Dial of Destiny as well. For Liz Tory and Zack Schneider, I'm Sam Wilson. Thank you for joining us for Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. Stay shitty, nerds. Nerd Shit. Nerd Shit. So strap on in, girls, we're talking about the Nerd Shit.